Welcome to Sunstorm, where we get real about what's happening in the world and what we are doing about it, because we are the light in the storm. Hi, everyone. I'm Ai-jen Poo. And I'm Alicia Garza. And today on Sunstorm, we have the brave, the unstoppable, the incredible, the amazing Congresswoman Ayanna Presley. And we are so excited. Woohoo! Yeah, I'm, excited. <laughs> I'm excited. You know, my, my only regret is that we're not doing this in person. So we're going to do this a little bit differently today because we're not all gathered in a studio because the Rona, as Black folks have named it, has changed our (laughs) whole entire world. (laughs) But if this is not an example of how we can all be together in a crisis, I don't know what is. So it feels good to be here alone in my house, but it also feels good to be together with all of you. So let's get started and let's just get real. So we created Sunstorm to celebrate all of the ways that women can shine a light through the chaos of the world today. And we have to admit that we are feeling the chaos. Like, what is this zombie apocalypse that we're in right now? And how have you been holding up, Congresswoman? As extreme as it is, and as, you know, frightening and worrisome uh, the uncertainty is, it really feels very consistent with the kind of year our country has had. If I think Uh about, you know, my experience as a freshman member of Congress being, you know, onboarded uh, in an unprecedented and historic way for an unenviable reason, and that is that we were the first class to be onboarded in the midst of a federal government shutdown. And Uh then um, a year to the day of our being sworn in in Washington, we were voting on articles of impeachment. Um, and then shortly thereafter, feared that we might be on the precipice of war. And now we are in the midst of a pandemic. So it is not, you know, hyperbole or dramatics um, to say that we're at a, a profound crossroads and inflection point, and not just as a country, but as a society. And this pandemic is really highlighting and exacerbating, you know, every socio-political ratio fault line that exists. So it's certainly challenging, but there have been so many times this year that my heart has broken, but in the next breath, it is, you know, swelling uh, given the communal response and and Um, ultimately the resiliency, you know, of all of us. Yeah. Mm. I think the, the whole inspiration for the show was exactly that. The idea that, we are living through unprecedented chaos and storms, and yet somehow people, especially women, keep shining. Uh, and both are true at the same time. Both are so defining of our reality, both the incredible resilience and power that we have as everyday people and as women who show up for each other and support each other and the incredible threats and dangers that we're up against. And I think all of us are watching you and other members of Congress, the women in Congress and the women of color in particular, who are just continuing to shine, continuing to lead unapologetically and through literally unprecedented pandemics and threats to our democracy and 
it would just be great for our listeners to have a, a picture or a window in for you as somebody who's trying to figure out a woman trying to govern in this crisis. What does that look like? Yeah, you're bringing up a lot for me just even in that question. Um, you know, as I think about women and just the duality that we all live in, you know, certainly um, not exclusively, but including and especially women of color. Not that long ago, I was on the House floor delivering a floor statement in advance of the ERA, the Equal Rights Amendment vote. And I quoted Audre Lorde, and it was, um, the quote basically was about, you know, I will do what I can every day to remove the shackles of other women, even if their shackles are different from my own. Um, you know, I'm paraphrasing. And there was this just like vitriolic pushback, um, shockingly online, I'm being facetious, um, that I would use uh, a word like shackled. Why did I use that quote? And, you know, here I am, a black woman in Congress, um, and how dare I in any way insinuate that women are shackled. When in fact, quite literally, women are shackled, um, pregnant women in prison, you know, uh, women at the border, you know, so it is as literal as That's it is right. uh, metaphorical. And the reality is that um, both are true. So I can say, yes, I was the first woman of color and black woman specifically to serve on the Boston City Council and now the first person of color ever elected to represent the Commonwealth of Massachusetts in the House in the 230-year history of that delegation. And I'm still not free. I'm still not fully free. So, you know, both are true. And I think our language is struggling to catch up with what I'm alluding to here, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the movement. And so that's why uh, things can very quickly go left because there are these paradigm shifts occurring and, we, and we're trying to catch up with how we speak to that in a way that is responsible and honest and advances things. So, mm-hmm. you know, I find that I'm just on that tightrope every single day. And something that Representative Omar and I talk a lot about is like this tendency to sort of like, and again, people find even this framing offensive when we talk about this not being the oppression Olympics, because I've always said there's no hierarchy, you know, of hurt and our freedoms and our destinies are tied. And when Representative Ocasio-Cortez, you know, speaks very eloquently about sort of scarcity mindset and, you know, mm-hmm. how that drives us to function, you really see that amplified in the midst of a pandemic. But you see it on every issue, you know. So mm. I'm leaning in hard to make sure I'm elevating the unique challenges and fears of every constituency, every subgroup, you know, from the macro to the micro. And so just recently I was elevating the need for us to, um, offer stricter guidance to the Bureau of Prisons to keep incarcerated men and women healthy and just the vitriol that that invited, you know? These are just challenging times. So we've got work to do for the language to keep pace with the movements that are mm. evolving and by default at the times we find ourselves in, having to be more intentional, more inclusive, and more intersectional. And that's a good thing. But we're just mm-hmm. playing catch-up. hmm Mm-hmm. I don't know if any of this makes you know, sense, but I'm just like, we're oh. trying to find our way. And so in our efforts to find our way, there end up being these third rail moments. Yeah. You know, it can that obstruct really, the progress. Oh, you make a lot of sense. In fact, you're making all the sense right now. <laughs> and, you know, on this show, um, 
we think a lot about the importance of friendship. And I'm just reflecting on this because we just heard you uh, refer to uh, Representative Ilhan Omar, who we love, 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 and also Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who we also love, love, love. Um, <laughs> and of course, not missing from the squad is Representative Rashida Talib, who we also oh, yeah. love, love, love. So we think a lot. Yeah, I know you guys. You guys about, should see our text thread. I can't tell you what goes I, what goes down in there. But it's <laughs> to be a fly on the wall in that text thread. Oh, it's super <laughs> exciting! It's all about lipstick colors and kids and puppies. But I've been and I keep texting about and also saving the world. And we had yes, our friend Aminatu So on our podcast not too long ago to really talk about how revolutionary female friendships can be. And we know that we rely on our squads pretty heavily. And of course, you are a part of one of the most legendary squads in politics. So tell us about it. And also, we know that squads don't always agree. So how do y'all navigate that piece? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing. I don't know if many people understand or really get this, but, you know, we didn't know each other before. Um, Mm. I'll tell the whole truth here. So Alex and I, (laughs) we knew each other tangentially. Mm -hmm. We both endorsed each other uh, because we were on this very unique walk in that we were challenging incumbents, you know, both who had been there for 20 years. We were both seen as underdogs, both underestimated, you know, both women of color. Um, And so we didn't have many people that we could really build with about the unique joys and pains of that walk. And so, you know, I sent one of my organizers up to work on her race. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. when she won, she said something like, you know, Ayanna Pressey's got next or something like that. Uh, And Mm. so then people were like, wait a minute, you know, do they know each other? You know, what, what, I had one of the later (laughs) primaries. And, and then I had had her speak um, at one of my fundraisers in New York at the home of a dear friend. I felt this immediate admiration, respect, and kinship because we were on this unique walk together. Rashida and Ilhan and I had never met. Um, wow. We had been in the same rooms together and not even known it because we were active in a national organization um, called Local Progress. And Democracy for America had had Rashida record a video wishing me luck the eve of my primary. And that was sort of the closest I'd ever been to her. And so then we arrive in Washington and we've all made the decision to join the Congressional Progressive Caucus. And a reporter asked the four of us to do an interview. And so we went to do this interview. And it was this uh, visual irony because the backdrop were these paintings of uh, all white men. And so at the end of the interview, the journalist said, do you mind if I get a photo? And then um, I turned to Alex and I said, "Uh, I'm the oldest one in the crew. I'm 46, right? And so, you know, Alex is so much more adept at multiple platforms at the same time. And so she said, I'm going to post this photo. You know, what should we call it? And we just said squad goals. And that Mm. photo went viral. And I believe it went viral because we were like sort of political spice girls, people, you know, everyone could see that photo in, in some way, in one of us, you know, cause we're each, you know, very distinctive, um, both in our lived experience, our lens, um, but there's still this commonality, you know, there's this sisterhood, there's this kinship. And so because we were all first 
and that's its own unique blessing and, and uh, responsibility and burden at times to be a first. There was this gravitational pull because we could just speak candidly and in shorthand to one another. And, mm. you know, then something awful happened, which is, you know, people decided to weaponize what we represented. And, you know, there was a lot of venom and vitriol and certainly the occupant of the White House emboldened that. And so that just brought us even closer together because we didn't have any very many people that we could speak to that could relate to going from relative anonymity to suddenly this big platform experiencing great scrutiny and criticism, but also people projecting onto us and pouring into us their hopes and their dreams too. Mm -hmm. And so that's really how the quote unquote squad was born. Um, And you may recall that I said at the most acute point of this criticism, I don't even know if they ran the whole clip, but I was just, you know, saying, I feel like we're still operating from a place of privilege. You know, we are in Congress. We have been heartened Mm -hmm. by the outpouring of love and support that we received from our neighbors, from community, from throughout the globe. But on the same day that we are being attacked by the occupant, you know, Eric Garner's family has been denied justice by the DOJ. And so Uh there are people that are hurting and living with injustices, you know, large and small every day who aren't receiving this kind of wraparound love and support. You know, so um, I just said, listen, at the end of the day, this is like a distraction. This is meant to derail us, you know, from the work of justice. And the squad is bigger than four people. It is Mm. anyone doing the work of building a more equitable and just world. And that's the truth of what we believe. It was never something um, exclusive. Um, It wasn't about, you know, alienating people. It certainly was always bigger than just the four of us. It was about movement building. And, um, you know, all of this started just from that spontaneous photo that was taken and that how Alex hashtag swaggle. Wow. I I didn't know that that story. So beautiful. I feel like one of the things I'm thinking a lot about is, you know, you're talking about how we are trying to call forth a new language and so much of what we're doing and what you're doing and embodying is is what women often do, especially women of color, which is make a way out of no way and create new models of leadership, um, new language, new frameworks for how we solve problems in ways that are not zero-sum and not based on a hierarchy of human value, but really about honoring the humanity of every person. And now we're in this new unprecedented moment of a global pandemic. And I'm just curious, you know, how are you seeing the way forward for us out of this crisis? And what are you drawing on for strength? I know Alicia and I often talk about the shoulders that we stand on and both our peers and our friends and our squads that we pull forward, but but also just how are you making a way forward for us in terms of this coronavirus crisis and what are you drawing from? Well, you said um, standing on your shoulders, so I just wanted to digress for a moment and share a funny story. I um, had journeyed to Alabama, um, you know, a couple of weekends ago, Montgomery and Selma, uh, in tribute to, you know, our foot soldiers and 
one of the freedom writers and one of the architects of the movement that I was meeting for the first time there. And she's not one of the names that you hear a lot. So, you know, unfortunately, I don't even remember it in this moment. And this is the thing about movement building. There are so many people, iconic luminaries whose names we know and we bring into the room all the time by quoting them or by putting into practice things we've learned from their example. But then there are millions more who will never know, right? But who certainly played a role in shaping history. You know, they sent a prayer up, you know, they vaselined an elbow or a knee, they they packed a lunch, right? And so this was one of those such foot soldiers. And she said, um, everyone keeps coming up to me and saying, are they standing on my shoulders? And she said, get off my shoulders and make your own path. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, you know, everyone kept coming up to her saying that she was like, y'all are heavy, get off my shoulders, you know, make your own path. And so I, again, I think that speaks to the duality of, you know, what we as women try to do all the time. And certainly in this moment, and, you know, in my alopecia reveal video, I said that, you know, I'm not here just to occupy space, I'm here to create it. And so in the midst of this pandemic, you know, that continues to be true, right? Um, you know, I've spoken with Representative Tlaib about this a number of times, you know, at those moments when we feel overwhelmed and the people are actually being, you know, abusive. It's tempting to sort of shrink, right? And, you know, we just always say to each other, listen, we were elected to be seen and to be heard. And we're not just representing ourselves. You know, it is those those ancestors, those foot soldiers, um, those movement builders um, who came before us, who are still doing the work in the community every day. And, you know, I think it's our, our responsibility. It's incumbent upon us to create space for them. And that means uh, listening to them and that directly informing what we fight for. Um, when I was running for Congress, I said the people closest to the pain should be the closest to the power driving and informing the policymaking. That's not just some like slogan or hashtag. That's a value that I strive and my team, you know, aims to put into practice every single day. And so that's what we're doing. You know, hopefully that makes people feel a sense of power uh, in the midst of uncertainty and hopelessness. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, Brian Mm -hmm. Stevenson says that so well, that hopelessness is the enemy of justice. So, you know, we don't want people to be hopeless. And so um, by crowdsourcing, uh, by doing teletown halls, by doing virtual meetings, uh, by doing Zoom and Skype, by being active on Twitter, you know, hopefully these are ways that we can keep community together, that people can feel less alone, that we can assuage their anxieties and their fears some, and then also, you know, empower them in this moment to know that when you speak up and say, I'm feeling this unique hurt as a tipped wage worker, um, as an artist, as a childcare provider, as a senior, as a small business owner, you know, whatever that profile that it does give you some solace to know that someone is actively soliciting your story, your struggle to listen to you and also your ideas and then doing everything Mm. possible to see those struggles and those ideas codified uh, in the stimulus packages. You know what? First of all, you've just inspired me about what is possible from home. So thank you for that. (laughs) Um, Speaking of connection, because I think, you know, a lot of us are, now kind of sheltered in place, right? We're home with our loved ones. Um, and I think people also are like rediscovering themselves and yes. rediscovering what they like yes. and what they need. And yes. so speaking of connection, we got to ask you the very fundamental question, which is okay. what is making you laugh these days? 
what is your comfort food in the time of the Rona? Because we need all okay. the good stuff. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, okay. First, I- I'm embarrassed. Like, it mortified my chief of staff. Um, but I am calmed by marathon episodes in the background because, again, I'm on call, so I can't really, like, mm-hmm. pay attention. <laughs> but um, I love Dateline. <laughs> Yes. So, I love Dave Rush. And I also love Law and Order SBU because I feel like yes. survivors are not getting justice in the real world. So I like to see them getting it, even if it's fiction. Oh, <laughs> um, I love that. And, uh, so, I mean, I'm just like, you know, I'm old and I'm corny. So we love watching American <laughs> Idol. We love watching American Idol. We love playing Connect Four. My husband and I, you know, like revisiting some of our favorite Black films like The Five Heartbeats, Best Man, yes. Love Jones, you know oh, things like that. Yes. You know okay. that are that are worth. But 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 the other thing is that um, you know I am making sure that I'm I'm reading and doing things as I can. It's usually happening very late at night or very early in the morning because again we spend most of our time on phone calls trying to get information out, but also to glean information um, so that we're being a thoughtful and effective ambassador is about how to mitigate the hurt and then how to make sure that we have an effective recovery, you know, when this is all over economically and um, emotionally too, right? But I am doing things like reading Nikki Giovanni, you know, and reading Sonia Sanchez and Pablo Nuerta. I love poetry and that's not something that I get to deep dive on in the way that I used to. So being intentional about reading poetry, that informs my joy. Um, I love that. And, um, my comfort food never changes. It's just cake. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I look for any excuse and opportunity. I mean, like, I'm just going to tell you, I have gone to a store and said that this was a birthday cake for someone and it was for me and it was not my birthday. So I have like a real problem, <laughs> you know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not proud of this. <laughs> I'm not proud of this. It is like an ongoing joke amongst my my closest cohorts, you know, uh, every time Ilhan comes back from my favorite Somali restaurant in Minnesota called Safari, I'm like, where's my almond cake? I mean, I just love cake. Um, there's only one place in Boston that makes my favorite cake, which is like a, a southern specialty, and it's called 7-Up Cake. Ooh. And it's um, it's like, it's like a pound cake. Oh, yeah. It's infused oh, yeah. with like 7-Up stuff. You know, that's my jam. That's my jam. You know, oh. I'm like a salad and cake girl. I'm like, let me try to be clean over here, but then I feel like I deserve a reward. So that's what's going on. You know, gluttony. <laughs> what makes me really happy. Of course, I have to ask, Aijin, what's making you laugh right now? I mean, we, we all got to find something. And also, comfort food. I got to hear it. Oh, comfort food for me right now is uh, pasta. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just like carving it up, really. And <laughs> uh, what's making me laugh? You are making me laugh. You are cracking me up with these crazy <laughs> memes that you're sending. My face hurts from laughing so hard. Okay, now I'm mad that I'm like, I need to be y'all sex thread. Yes, you do. do, Congresswoman, and we can make this happen. We can do <laughs> a meme thread, you know, that will just give you a little brightness to your day. 
<laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, so I'm did any of you delete on... yourself into thinking that you were going to do a whole bunch of fitness stuff at this time? It's actually happening for me. I'm exercising more now than I have in like the last year because um, it's an anxiety thing. And also because okay. my comfort food is chicken wings. And so I am frying chicken wings like my life depends on it very soothing for me and also (laughs) what is making me laugh um, these days are it's definitely my meme game I um I think I might be unmatched in terms of memes um that really just get you through a moment so (laughs) wait how am I missing all of this is this in your timeline do I need to go you check know, your timeline yeah. specifically? You need to be my friend on Instagram. And my okay. my Instagram stories um, always have the cream gotcha. of the crop. Mm-hmm. And now okay. that we are in the time of the Rona, um, we are going to start <laughs> a new series called Memes in the Time of the Rona. So okay. <laughs> everybody okay. can get in on this. But I'm curious. <laughs> I'm curious about the exercise thing. So did you have a big vision around exercise in the time of the Rona? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, I just want to say, I'm so, listen, again, you know, I'm in my 40s now, but like, I just miss the old days where I can literally be like, you know what? I'm not going to have a donut this week and I'm going to like fit this dress for the dance. You know, it's like those days are so over. It's like, I just, you know, you just look at something and it's showing up. And, um, but honestly, you know, it's, 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 it's really just about just wellness. Right. You know? Um, and so wanting to take that more seriously. So we are with the exception of our, you know, dessert indulgences, we are making it a point to eat much more cleanly, um, during the Rona and I have been getting my water. I've been getting my water in, and that's huge for me because I am like perpetually dehydrated. I don't drink water for days. Uh, I have this so, problem too, and it's so ironic. You, we're Aquarians. See, I know. <laughs> Is it that you don't like the inconvenience of going to the bathroom? Because that's mm-hmm. the thing for me. Yeah, I'm 46 too. So this is every year. This becomes oh more and more of an issue. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to be your accountability that. partner. I'm mm-hmm. going to be your accountability partner, okay? And you got to get on your water game during this pandemic, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm making, uh, that's the one thing I'm making strides on, so I'm, I'm glad about that. I think that this is a huge strategy for pandemic survival is what are, like, one or two commitments that we can make to ourselves and each other about living well in the time of the Rona? And for us, like, mm-hmm. I, I will absolutely commit to drinking more water with you, my sister congresswoman. Um, yeah. What else should we do? Okay, I got a top five. You ready? The first is complete your senses. Okay? You don't have any mm-hmm. excuses. Do your senses. You know, we, we were already saying this is like the most important census ever. We are going to need these federal resources. So complete your census. And I'll be doing a census challenge. Um, imminently online around that. Um, The second thing is yesterday I called someone that I haven't spoken to in 15 years that I just had sort of, you know, there was a lot left unsaid. It wasn't a romantic relationship, just like a complicated friendship. And I just reached out to them and it just, I felt lighter immediately. So I said, you know what, I'm going to make that a part of my, you know, during Mm. this time is whoever's been on your list that like, you want to apologize to, or you want to clear the air and tell the truth about, 
you know, even how they hurt you. Or you could just say, I'm going to reset and put all that behind and just say, you know, you just crossed my mind and I hope you and your family are well, you know, in the midst of this time. So I the census, that. forgiving someone or apologizing to someone. The other is uh, writing a letter to anyone. Mm. Um, it could be someone you don't know, and I can get you names of, you know, people that, you know, are incarcerated. Um, or it could be someone in your own family. The art form of letter writing has been completely abandoned. And I thought, you know, what an awesome thing. Shout out to our letter carriers who continue to deliver the mail in the midst of all of this. But, you know, mm-hmm. what a great thing. We get um, a surprising, loving check-in note, you know, in the midst of this when people are just really opening their mailbox to bills. Oh, and check on an elderly neighbor. You mm-hmm. know, those are short mm-hmm. of life, my prompt. Um, and so outside of the other work I'm doing, if I can get through, you know, they say if you accomplish 70% of your to-do list, you've had a productive day. So out of those top five things, you know, the sense of notwithstanding, because that's a one-time thing. Um, if I get through, you know, majority of those, I'm feeling good. So yesterday mm. was a good day. First and foremost, I have my census form on my desk, and you better believe that thing is going out in the mail. So thank you for that. Um, also, I just want to, like, high five you for checking in and giving love to the postal carriers and all the people who are running around um, delivering things to us with no protections. They need to have protections, but with no protections. And of course we all still expect everything to show up like within 30 minutes. So give love to your postal person. I talked to mine yesterday and they said, how are you doing? And they said, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. That was literally their words. So give love. And if you got some stuff to share, maybe a snack or something that they can take on their way um, while they're helping us stay connected. hundred percent. I'm so for that. Thank you for like lifting that up. That is the call to action for the day. And one more group of people that we got to show a lot of love for, and that is our caregivers right now. There Mm -hmm. are so many people who are on the front lines um, in the healthcare systems, but also in our homes, like thinking about the nannies who are taking care of the kids of all the hospital workers, the emergency room doctors, all the people who are right there in the thick of it. And then thinking about all the home care workers who are, who actually like, while we're telling everybody else to stay home and socially distance, so that they don't spread the virus. We actually need those sheroes and heroes to get to work to provide the life-saving services that they're providing to the elderly right now, especially because their healthcare systems are overwhelmed. We need them to stay healthy. We need them to know we have their backs and we need to lift them up right now. So one of the things that we've been doing is um, we created a fund, an emergency fund called the Coronavirus Care Fund that folks can support and donate to that is about supporting our frontline home care workers and caregivers who are out there trying to take care of us. And it's our little chance to take care of them and just any chance you get, give them a shout. Wow. Mm. Okay. I will definitely elevate both of those things and and thank you all, you know, for your... um your leadership and for doing that. I mean, I know very few of us are sleeping, you know, well at night. Most people are sleeping fitfully if they can sleep at all. Um, but we, when we do finally go to sleep, we sleep a little bit better because we know these folks are doing what they're doing every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 
we do need to be more intentional about our gratitude and also advocating for their protections. Mm-hmm. You know, in the midst of the absolutely. Zone. So I don't want us to end. This is making me so sad, but. I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. We already love, 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 love you. Um, but now we're going to be connected on the IG. <laughs> so <Yes>. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, uh, thank Congresswoman you Ayanna Presley. And people can find you at Rep Presley on all the socials. To all of our lovely listeners, we do love you so much. We're thinking about all of you in the midst of this in the time of the Rona, and um, we are with you. We want to hear from you. Tweet us, write us, tell us about how you are making your way through the storm because, my friends and sisters, this is quite a storm we are in, but it's okay because we are the sun, and we're going to keep each other safe. We are going to support each other. Stay safe, stay healthy, keep washing those hands until next week. Bye. Love you, Sunstorm Squad. Sunstorm is a project of the National Domestic Workers Alliance. Sunstorm is executive produced by Alicia Garza, Ijen Poo, Christina Mevs Apgar, and Jess Morales Rocchetto. Sunstorm is produced by Amy S. Choi and Rebecca Lehrer of the Mashup Americans. Our production team is Jocelyn Gonzalez, Shelby Sandlin, Mary Philip Sandy, and Mia Warren. Original music composed by Jen Kwok and Jody Shelton. Hello, oh, hi, Congresswoman. Oh, who just called me that? Congress. <laughs> <laughs> who just did that? It was I said. It was I said. I'm pulling us around. It was I said. Who just offended me and did that? <laughs>